Hello and welcome to The History of Judaism, The History and Story of the Jews. Told by me, Yossi Silverman, licensed tour guide and Jewish educator. This podcast is only possible with your contributions to learn more about that. Remember to stay tuned for the end of the podcast while I explain how you can contribute. But for today, we're going to be discussing uh, Gedalia, the son of Ahikam, or Gedalia ben Ahikam, Ahikam, however you want to say it, to explain what happened last time. Well, last time, it was the ninth of the Hebrew month of Av, or round about that time, and uh, we burnt down the temple. Well, we didn't. The Babylonians burnt down the temple. They burnt down Jerusalem. They carried everybody away into, away into captivity. They exacted uh, such a virulent and violent response to the rebellion against them that the the entire city of Jerusalem burnt down and you can see to this day a uh, destruction layer from that period from the period of the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 we're now discussing the period just after that with the rule of a um, courtier called Gedalia the son of Ahikam uh, we're going to discuss who he is. Um, why should you actually fast <laughs> on the fast of Gedalia? There's a fast of Gedalia. Uh, what's the story there? What happened? What are all the uh, historical um, supports for this? We're not so much dealing in mirror narratives because there's no formal narrative as such. But there's there's plenty of archaeological evidence that we can discuss about Gedalia, the son of Achikam. But first... I'd like to to, to express express something about. Uh, I sometimes like to connect current uh, modern Jewish experience with with the history. So modern Jewish experiences in about a month's time, Jews are going to celebrate uh, the Jewish New Year. It's going to be what's called the first of Tishrei, uh, Rosh Hashanah, as it's known in Hebrew, the Jewish New Year, the head of the year, and a little bit after Rosh Hashanah. There's a fast day, and I have to say, easiest fast in, in the whole calendar. Really easy fast. You've been stuffing yourself non-stop for two days, Jewish New Year's two days. And then you have to do the fast of Gedalia. It's a little bit of a joke, really. I know many people who don't do the fast of Gedalia. They say, you know, a Gedalia, wasn't he some kind of like patsy or something? Wasn't he put there by the Babylonians? Why should I fast for Gedalia? Gedalia wouldn't fast for me. Come on. Fast of Gedalia, got to be kidding. Well, today we're actually going to learn a little bit about the Fast of Gedalia and why maybe you should be fasting on Gedalia. We're going to learn about the horror, the sheer horror that is Gedalia, the son of Achikam, and what happened to him. That's more of the horror is what happened to him. So, who is this Gedalia, the son of Achikam? Uh, to... State the blindingly obvious, Gedalia, the son of Achikam, as the name suggests, is the son of a guy called Achikam. It actually means my brother get up. But yes, Achikam um, is the son of a gentleman called Shafan. Now that is significant because Shafan, uh, at least people connected to Shafan, are mentioned in both the Bible and archaeology. If you if you tuned into the podcast about prophecy and Jeremiah and subsequent podcasts, you might understand that the whole house of David uh, 
you understand that the whole fall of the House of David and destruction thing is, is, is to a certain extent a family affair. Like, for example, Jeremiah the prophet is both the prophet, the court prophet, and the, the, far, the grandfather of Zedekiah, the last king. Now, so Gedaliah, he's also, he's also got a connection. Uh, it's not a surprise. These are nobles. Gedaliah is the nephew of Gamariahu ben Shaphan, the scribe who recorded Jeremiah's words. You know, the words that got to Jeremiah into all of those that trouble. Uh, and also to weave the archaeology into this, if you go to the city of David, they have this wonderful part in uh, what's supposed to be the uh, palace, the, arguably the palace of King David, uh, where they found a bulla. I actually met the guy who found the bulla, the stamp of Gamariahu ben Shaphan, as we mentioned, who was a scribe. And he had a bully, had a stamp. Uh, to just review what that means is you write a letter 2,000 and more years ago and you seal it with a lump of clay or a piece of wax, normally a lump of clay. That's why we can find it, because it hardened. And uh, you stamp it with your special seal. And your, the seal said, Gamariari, the son of Shafan. It has been suggested that it just was another guy called Be Gamariahu, the son of Shafan, who happened to be living in Jerusalem uh, 2,700 years ago, and not the specific one mentioned in the Bible. Okay, whatever, fine. Okay, if you want to be just that minimalist with your archaeology, great, good, fine, wonderful, hooray. So he's a Jerusalem court guy, he's, yeah, he's a courtier. He also seems to hold some sway with this group known as the Amharats. Why is that? Well, one, he's got to hold sway with them. They're the only ones left. Everybody else has been carried away into captivity. Uh, also, they aren't so happy with Jeremiah. They want to, you know, do things to Jeremiah. Uh, Gedalia stops them. So he's an influential guy with the Amharats. Uh, just a thing to explain. When we say Amharats, that normally means people of the land. He holds sway with the people of the land. That doesn't necessarily mean they're like local yokels, farmers and such. Like uh, in uh, Podcast 11, we had a whole discussion about that. They could have been like an estate, a kind of significant part of the Jerusalem court. Important geographical note. Gedalia rules not from Judah. Judah is, is that's it, trashed. He rules from Benjamin. He, he rules from a place called Mitzpeh, Mitzpah. Quick geographical note, so we know where we're talking about. Firstly, there's a lot of uh, antagonism between Judah and Benjamin. Benjamin has the first king, Saul or Shaul, and Judah has the most known king, David or David, King David. And there's a lot of antagonism between them. Even in like the earlier stories in Genesis, there's kind of a friction between Judah and Benjamin. Uh, where are the borders of Judah and Benjamin? So if you go to Jerusalem, hopefully you'll join me in a tour in Jerusalem. See scoutisrael.com and send me messages when tourism comes back. Um, but if you do go to Jerusalem, uh, you go to Jerusalem, you go to the, the around the Temple Mount area, the southern part of the tent corner, the southern part of the Temple Mount area, that is the most northerly border of Judah. Kind of part, the temple kind of sits on the border so, to a certain extent, uh, and it stretches all the way down to the Negev. 
that's all Judah. Some people say some t- somewhere inside that that is the tribe of Shimon, of Simeon, of Simon, but nobody really knows what happens to the tribe of Simon. So it's, it's all Judah. Uh, Benjamin is, a, is everything stretching up north. Uh, Benjamin is a, a higher altitude, at least than the kind of Jerusalem area. It looks down onto Jerusalem. A lot of the areas mentioned in in uh, Benjamin seem to have names talking about being in a high place. You've got Mitzpah, which means outlook. You've got uh, Give On, which uh, Give A or Give On is a high place. There's also Ramot, which also is another kind of high place, a higher, uh, um, maybe a, a, we're talking about a plateau. All these are different high areas inside Benjamin. So the text, the story goes, he moves every, everybody to Mitzpah. The text mentions a whole group of nobles who in fact join Gedalia in Mitzpah. We've got uh, Yishmael, the son of Netanya. We've got a guy called Yochanan, the son of Kareach. We've got also a guy called uh, Jazania, or in Hebrew, Ya'azania, the, the Makatite, or the son of the Makatite. That must be a place, Ma'aka, Yazania Ben Hamakati, and all their men. They have all the retinue, all these different important people. Uh, why, why do I mention these names? Well, Ya'azania is significant because found in a site known as Tel En Natsbe, which is which is thought of as being a biblical uh, mitzpah, they found a, a bull of another stamp, a really quite beautiful one with like a kind of chicken on it, or a rooster with the name Ya'azania. So uh, we've got Ya'azania, all these important people, and he gathers them all there. Um, they're not there all the time because the text gets a bit confusing because otherwise the text doesn't make sense. But uh, so they, you know, they come in and out of Mitzpah doing the usual court noble business with with Gedalia, the son of Achikam. The story goes, first guy I mentioned, Yishmael, the son of Netanya, is is heads back to to court. So they're coming in and out of court. He heads back back to court and he goes into court and he demands a a audience with Gedalia. So he has his audience with the Gedalia, with all the courtiers there, and he's standing in front of Gedalia, and he has wi- with him ten men, and he, you know, the, all the doors are closed, and Yishmael, the son of Netanya, just goes crazy. He just slaughters every single person he can find. He slaughters Jews. He slaughters the Chaldean Babylonian emissaries who are also there with Gedalia. He slaughters the Amha'aret. He slaughters everybody. He just goes crazy. And then he, uh, he's, he's there floating around Mitzvah for a while after his ba- massive massacre. And a group of people come to bring tribute. And they bring all these... Uh, you know, goodies, frankincense, all that stuff. For some reason, in biblical stories, people are always bringing frankincense. Don't ask me why. It smells nice. I, that's why. So these people are coming to Mitzpah with all these wondrous things and grain and frankincense and 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 stuff. And they come into the court. Uh, they meet Yishmael, the son of Netanya, and the Yishmael, the son of Netanya, sees all this big group and slaughters them too. He wipes them out as well. He throws all the bodies into a massive pit. Um, ten men he saves from this group. 
uh, because this ten men promise him to give him also a tribute. And then he's he's heading out of Mitzpah and he's telling he, t- he has the goal to tell everybody that it's terrible. Something terrible has happened to Gedalia as he goes along his way. He's like, oh, something terrible has happened to Gedalia. Gedalia's been viciously slaughtered, and everybody else, who knows who who by? And eventually, the last noble, Yochanan, the son of Kareach, catches up with him at a place called the Waters of Givon. Only the followers of Yishmael are massacred. Uh, Yishmael himself gets away uh, to Ammon. After that, all the people flee to uh, Bethlehem, to Bethlehem. Why they do that? Well, Bethlehem's in the south and is actually considered to be, in the, at least in the text, on the way to Egypt. And they uh, they meet Jeremiah, who for some reason is in Bethlehem, and uh, Jeremiah encourages them not to make an exodus, ba- a backwards exodus to Egypt. Uh, they beg him that to do that because they are scared that the the Babylonians are going to come and wipe them all out. Uh, the suggestion is that uh, Yishmael, the son of Netanya, is actually on the pay of the king of Ammon who is uh, one of the surrounding uh, countries, and he wants to take advantage of this also. He kind of, like, encouraged Yishmael and the son of Netanya to commit this crime. Everybody's worried about the Ammonites. Everybody's worried about the Babylonians coming back. Jeremiah says, don't worry about the Babylonians. Everybody says, eh, that's because you're a Babylonian patsy. I have to see. Am I actually using patsy in the correct sense? Hold on a second. Let's have a look. Let's see. Am I using the word patsy correct? A person who is easily taken advantage of, especially by being cheated or blamed for something. Okay, fine. She was there, the the patsy. He's the patsy of the Babylonians. Oh, you're easily led astray by the Babylonians, Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah says, fine, go down to Egypt. But I predict, I prophesy that uh, Babylon is coming through soon to destroy Egypt. And there's actually an argument whether that happens. Actually, possibly in um, 568, they come to take over Egypt. And he also mentions the name of the the towns that they're going to go to. They're going to go to Migdol and to Tachpanes and Noth in the land of Patros. And next time, we're actually going to discuss the first diaspora, the first movement of Jews outside Israel to all these different places. So the archaeology, the first thing to mention about this story and the archaeology uh, is there's an argument. The argument is many people suggest that biblical mitzpah is in fact not Tel Enatzpe, but actually a place called Nabi Samuel. Uh, Nabi Samuel, you might understand from the way it sounds, is Navi Shmuel, the prophet Samuel, uh, a, a site, uh, actually religious site, with uh, Jewish and Muslim and Christian uh, structures in it, um, which is dedicated to the prophet Samuel. And the suggestion is that was biblical mitzpah. The the only issue with that is none of the archaeology, and there has been digging there, is from this era, is from the, the uh, I think it's Iron, Iron 2, late Iron 2, Iron 3, uh, five, about 500, uh, just after 586, there is, there's no archaeology or archaeological evidence there. There is in uh, Tel Enatzbe. Also in Tel Enatzbe, most sites in Judah 
you have a destruction layer from uh, 586. Not Intel and It just carries on. So there we go. So possibly, possibly biblical mitzvah. Another another thing with Telenatsbe, apart from having the stamp of Yaazania, uh, is its location. The location of Telenatsbe. Uh, the suggestion by uh, a guy called Jeffrey Zorn is that uh, Mitzpe is uh, meaning lookout is actually what's called a toponym. The name uh, defines the topography of where it is. And if you go to Tel Natsbe, apparently it looks down on like the road to Jerusalem. So that that would that would be a good indication. Also Natsbe, um, maybe the N could be swapped for an M. And in in the in Arabic, the P sound doesn't exist. Uh, P is normally swapped for a B. So Matzbe maybe became Natsbe. That's that's my suggestion as well. Um, and also another thing is we there were storage jars, and the storage jars maybe were stamped with uh, the word Mitzpeh on it. It's not clear. It's definitely a mem stamped on the jars, a m sound, and maybe a a tzadi, a tz sound, maybe a shin is not entirely sure, and maybe a pay, and that's not entirely sure. It's a possibility. Also in Tele Natsbe, massive cisterns. We talked about uh, Yishmael, the son of Natanya, throwing everybody into a massive pit. Yeah, that, that's there in Tele Natsbe. So I'd like to claim the site actually holds up the story. The site is our story. The site is our mirror text. Uh, that, that this is the, the, the doomed place of the m- massacre of uh, Yishmael, the son of Natanya. And I would like to say that's exactly why we fast. We fast because it was a horrendous massacre which drove fear in, into the hearts of the Judeans. Absolute, absolute fear. People ran. People fleeing to Egypt because they were scared they were going to be wiped out by the Babylonians for this terrible deed. There is, of course, another thing which is very popular at the moment. And this popular thing is uh, alternate histories. Imagine Gedalia wasn't killed. What would have happened to the course of Jewish history? Now, admittedly, that this might be something you're going to have to do after listening to all the podcasts I'm going to make. But one thing that's fairly clear, what's fairly clear is that Judaism after the exile from Babylon, is very much dominated by things people acquired in Babylon. Uh, I'm going to claim that that might be less less actually the case were it not for the fact that uh, Gedalia died. Uh, the same can be said about Egypt. There's like almost a friction between Babylonian Jews and Egyptian Jews. Well, none of this would be there if many of the Amharet stayed in Judah and didn't go down to Egypt. The jury that is going to exist later on is going to be a jury affected by things that they picked up outside the land of Israel. And this is going to be true also with later diasporas, later 
dispersals out from Israel. And not having a kind of home base is going to be an issue. People are going to come in to fill the void as well. We're going to get that with the Samaritans. So this whole business with Gedalia being assassinated is very, very serious. And I think you still feel the echoes of some of the the fear uh, later on in the history and the fear of upsetting a great empire, of waking a bear. So that's where we are right now. The story of, of Gedalia really changes the course of Jewish history. It is an important moment, as well as the destruction in 586, the slaughter of Gedalia, the son of Achikam, and, and the residents of Mitzpeh. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the story of Judaism. Um, this podcast is uh, brought to you by Kind Contributions. Uh, it might have, if you've been listening to earlier podcasts, you might understand that I am an out-of-work tour guide. All my work has gone. I am relying on um, work, uh, work in childcare and work uh, in, on archaeological sites and also contributions from my podcasts and my YouTube. If you want to help the podcast monetarily, you can visit co-fi.com slash scoutisrael or you can visit patreon.com slash scoutisrael. Um, and if you want to do something for free, and I understand free because... Uh, we're all suffering at the, the monetarily in the time of corona. Please feel free to uh, hit subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to me on or leave a good review, whatever good thing you can do in that sense. And please go right now to my YouTube channel, Scout Israel, and hit subscribe there. Watch one of the many wonderful videos, both on the, the subject of Jewish history and Israel and touring Israel and all the wonderful things you can see. And hit subscribe right there, and that would be very much appreciated. And as I said, only surviving right now uh, as a podcast due to your contributions. We have some wonderful donors who've contributed, and thank you very much to them as well. You have been listening to the, the History of Judaism, the History and Story of the Jews. My name is Yossi Silverman, and you've been one.